Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of Block Tales. Today we are here live at Crypto Assets Conference from the Frankfurt School and today with me is Zara Palurovic. Zara, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, first of all, thank you for the really kind invitation. Um, it was clear that we were going to meet here. Uh, I read that on LinkedIn somewhere. It might have actually been your post and people said <laughs> it's their home conference and this is so true for the Crypto Asset Conference. So um, I'm, I'm Sarah Palurovic and um, yeah, I'm here for several reasons, but the main one is, I guess, if you want to uh, just uh, briefly sum it up in one sentence, basically to meet uh, super interesting people, not just for um, the jobs that I uh, have at the Washington Center at the Digital Human Association, but also um, just in general, because I feel like I get a lot of great life advice, actually, from the Crypto Asset Conference every single time as well. That's amazing. Okay. So, as you know, we always start with the first question, and this would be... How would you explain your everyday Web3 life to your grandma? Uh, that's a great question. Um, let's see. I would tell my... Or what I say to my grandma is actually... Um, I work in the Bitcoin business. And that's difficult. It's difficult. And um, it's not that she's not interested, but there are so many questions if you go any deeper into it than this um, where it gets very confusing for her and I feel like it's more frustrating than it actually does any good. Um, so I say I'm in the Bitcoin business and um, that was true when I only worked for the blockchain center and now that I'm also uh, dealing with the digital euro which is of course something completely different. Uh, I just had a talk basically somebody explained to me how um, central bank digital currencies are like on one end of the spectrum and then Bitcoins are on the other end. Um, so I'm yeah. kind of straddling both. So I, I tell her, um, yeah, I'm... Uh, working on or not working on but uh work with um the path of making the cash in your uh, wallet digital and does she understand this uh, on a very high level uh, <laughs> yeah she does <laughs> okay so your your grandma knows what bitcoin is uh, yeah she does and in fact my grandpa is a passionate uh, bitcoin investor um right uh, and i take uh credit for that one uh, and he always likes to tell his neighbors about uh, how much he already uh, made not so much lately obviously but he started i think four years ago when i first started talking about it and he uh, got convinced there was something he wanted to look into and uh, he actually read some books on it as well actually i'm surprised a bit because i wouldn't have expected you to orange pill your grandparents while you're working with cbdc's how does this fit yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Um, well, how does that fit together? I th I see it this way: um, a CBDC is inevitable, even though they say you know it's not decided yet whether there will be one, but um, th there there will be one. Full stop, basically. And the question is just: Do we play devil's advocate and say, okay, in terms of uh, this question, this question, this question? So, for example, privacy and um, how much people are supposed to use it and what the features are, we're just going to let the ECB roam freely or are we going to say we desire the following traits in the CBDC for them to be good for society, you know? Is there is there anything for you in particular, for example, that you say you would want in the CBDC? Well, I'd say it's difficult to say it's still really blockchain and in the sense of blockchain because blockchain is decentralized and a CBDC is... Basically not because it's right 
given out by the by the central banks, which is like central banks, which is not decentral. So um, how about decentralization and CBDCs? But I don't see this coming. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. No, exactly. I would see it exactly as you just described. So basically, um, as soon as you talk about CBDCs, the question of decentralization uh, is basically on the opposite side of where Bitcoin is right now. And um, yeah. that's what the Bitcoin Maxi just told me as well. And he's absolutely right. So if you uh, are in favor of the CBDC being introduced, you're likely not a Bitcoin maximalist and the other way around. Um, you know, and uh, of course, I also have some uh, mismatches in my head sometimes. Like, what is, uh, is, is there one better option, you know? But I don't think you can really answer that question. I think it's not necessarily that both are in competition because, I mean, as I said, Bitcoin maximalists don't use a central bank digital currency. But my grandparents, coming back to them, you know, I think they wouldn't care. I think it would be more user friendly for them, right? So, I have a different opinion, but for them, it might be easier to use a CBDC and they don't really care about um, centralization and so on. Um, I mean, maybe they would if they knew about it. The, the thing here is also, do they have the knowledge and education about centralization, decentralization and the implications of this on their money, whichever it might be, Bitcoin or fiat money or CBDCs. Um, so maybe they would care if they would talk more about it or would know more about the decentralized part in this world. Um, but yeah, probably you have a point in case that people just don't care and just want money that they can spend. And yeah, some, yeah. at least. Yeah. Is there, how would you say that? Would you say my my jobs, you know, they can't be, they, they kind of, they clash in a certain way? Or do you see it that, you know, there's, there can be a connection there uh, where it's actually beneficial to be in both spheres. I mean, that's why I asked, because I really was surprised that you could orange pull your grandparents on the one side, and then on the other side, you can say, okay, I'm the Digital Euro Association and working towards CBDCs. So, um, but if you say, okay, for you, it's two parts, then I think it's totally fine. Um, and there is a case where you can say, okay, we might need both in the future. Um, for me, it's rather the thing if you said, okay, I don't know how I can combine this for myself, then I see problems. But if you are fine with this and you see both use cases, what's the problem? Then it's cool. Mm. Yeah, as I said, I mean, certainly there's some times or some examples when I'm like, okay, I totally, I, I see both sides. Actually, a lot of times I, I think I see both sides. So people demanding uh, complete privacy, for example, I see that. But then... The purpose of, for example, having social payments made to your bank account. Um, so, for example, now with the with the um, energy payment for students, if they just had to prove uh, that they are students and who they are, that would be the only requirement for the money to be paid out. Okay, and whenever you were studying, of course, that was important too that you were enrolled in university. Um, but if you have 100% privacy, this would be. Um, ruled out completely in the use case of the cbdc okay yeah we can say that's a you know we we wanted one way or the other um but in a lot of ways that often makes me think it more nuanced and in less extremes which i can find this discussion to be so either you're <laughs> a cbdc um proponent or a bitcoin proponent but i actually think that there's a middle ground and um 
also something that the, the Bitcoin Maxi told me is he thinks people are going to invest in Bitcoin more as soon as the CBDC is introduced. And I wasn't like, oh, that's a horrible thing because I'm pro CBDC necessarily, but because it's just interesting to see how these two will uh, interact, you know, and if it's not good for the one side, it's good for the other. And I think both can both it, have their place. It's for sure going to be super interesting. And I mean, it's cool that there's that you're even saying, okay, I can, I can see both. And I think we need to be open-minded in either way. We can be super um, convinced from the one thing, but as Web3 is evolving, we should be open-minded to at least hear the arguments of the other side. I think the real problem comes up when, when people are closed and, and don't want to hear the arguments of the other side. You at least have to consider and then you can say, okay, yeah, I agree or I disagree. But if you don't listen to, how can you make up your mind? Um, having said this, how did you get started? I mean, did you start with Bitcoin or with Ethereum, or like Ethereum, or did you start actually with thinking about CBDCs? No, not at all. I had no clues about CBDCs for the longest time. Um, I started with a course at university that was about uh, Bitcoin business and the future of uh, money. And Sounds cool. It was super cool. It, it, that, that's what orange filled me for sure. Uh, and from there on, um, yeah, I uh, started at the blockchain center. So way more Bitcoin and Ethereum angled. Uh, and I wrote my bachelor thesis about uh, Bitcoin as a marketing tool, actually. So very Bitcoin focused. How did this end up? I'm super, I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a marketer. I'm, I'm running a marketing agency. So tell me, how did you conclude this thesis? Yeah, uh, I mean, I actually think you're going to be very interested in this. It's a very, it's a spicy topic. So it wasn't just Bitcoin as a marketing tool. It was uh, Bitcoin as a marketing tool in online sex shops. What? No joke. <laughs> I have that written on my, my final. How did you come up with, like, okay, how did you come up with this idea first? So and then tell me how it ended up. But how did you come up with the idea? Well, uh, I listened to... Uh, a podcast, in fact, on uh, Bitcoin and how it's used for illicit activities and also um, in the connection with uh, prostitution and human trafficking and so on. Um, and I kind of had to take a marketing angle at, in my bachelor thesis. So I tried really hard to reconcile those two topics. And of course, uh, not shed a, because the negative light has already been shed on Bitcoin. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, sexual purchases and so on, let's say, and the dark side of Bitcoin for what it's used. Um, but I felt it was disproportionately uh, highlighted. So I felt, okay, I'll use this opportunity to, like, take a twist on it. And if, if sex shops can uh, empower people in, you know, their sexuality and yeah. being free and so on and doing whatever they want... Why not use Bitcoin that perpetrates some of those traits? So, for example, um, the freedom to do whatever you want with your money, um, not having anyone know what you've you bought. Know, bought with the transaction and so on. There were just a lot of overlays that I thought we could or I could look at from the standpoint of does this, what Bitcoin portrays, then transfer onto the brand of the online sex shop in a positive way, you know? Like, yeah, this is my full-on um, autonomous website now for, you know, buying these kinds of products if I want to yeah. because it displays my values or whatever I want to do um, 
and how I want to do it in the perfect way. <laughs> it's really like surprising that someone in a bachelor comes up with that topic. I, I have to admit, when was it? 2000 and, or not, that was a good question, 21. Not so far ago, okay. I'm, really, you have to send me this. I'm really interested in reading it. <laughs> I will. Cool. Okay, so this is how you get started, more or less, right? Um, but, okay, from there on, like from Bitcoin and marketing purposes for sex shops, how did you get to CBDCs? <laughs> Um, uh, during that bachelor uh, thesis, I met uh, Marcel, who used to work for the blockchain center, and that's how I got introduced to, to Philip. And uh, whoever knows Philip, Philip Sander, that is, uh, you know that he has a very broad field of interest when it comes to these topics. So he was clearly also interested in, in CBDCs. And um, they, he and, and some other people, he, they set up um, the Digital Euro Association. Um, through the blockchain center basically and that's how it came to be and um yeah they were looking for people to join the team and uh, already had a track record basically with uh, my now colleagues at the yeah. DIA, and uh, that's how it came to be that's that's amazing so um it was more or less a chance by opportunity but the real question why do you want to do this so is it just to make sure that it both sides are seen like so bitcoin and cbdc's and that cbdc's are in a way that you like or which kind of web3 do you really deeply believe in so that you want to work in here i have come to appreciate the social impact um, side of things very much and I think for CBDCs that's quite clear so um, to prevent a CBDC from being introduced that does harm to society in whatever way or form I also think a lot of the risks we can't really um, know about just yet or they'll look way different here than they will in Nigeria where they have a CBDC introduced mm -hmm. um, and so for the social impact side on the, on the blockchain and crypto side of things I think it's pretty clear because I do think that there's uh, a clear case of uh, for people uh, who benefit from uh, using crypto um, and also when it comes to um, uh, token carbonization for example I think that's uh, that's very interesting so uh, solving real world problems um, through blockchain technology is summing it up quite well for me but um, you know that's also a great question to ask you how come you're in this field what deeper purpose do you believe in that makes you working it. I believe that decentralization that's one of the core thoughts of the original blockchain like the Bitcoin blockchain that this is a tool which can help make this world better in terms of with decentralization there will be less misconduct there will be less um, fraud because it's just all stored and it's just all verified. You don't have, yes, you trust into the code, but you don't have to trust the people anymore. And I think this holds the potential not only to disrupt our financial system, but to, to actually disrupt the whole 
society that we are having right now and that we are living in. And that's the core feature that I believe in in, in technology, yes. So what that means is the next step, you say decentralization, that was your, your top one, right? That yes. was the first thing you mentioned. Yes. Um, would you say the world that we currently live in would be a better one if the monetary system would be decentralized, not meaning it's just Bitcoin, but saying there's at least no central bank issuing any sort of money? I think so, yes. I think if we have a decentralized system, there will be better better distribution because there is no fraud. Fraud is always being detectable because you can just take a look in the blockchain and see. And then also, obviously, for, for this to happen, it not, not only needs decentralization, but um, maximum supply, because otherwise we just create another inflationary system. So um, a decentralized and system with a maximum supply, I think this will or would be a better financial system than we have right now. Even though, yes, from the perspective of UIUX, we need a long way to go until really it's usable for everyone. Because right now it's super technically, we speak a different language than the rest of the people outside of our bubble. Um, they don't understand what we are talking about. Also, education about money itself is not good enough for them to understand why this is a good option or why this could improve like something. Because if you don't see the problem, you don't need a solution. So I think we have a long, long, long way to go um, towards this. But yes, I think it might become a better system in, in the end. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, point in case. Honestly, if you uh, look at the current status of where banking um, is headed, <laughs> that's definitely supporting your claim. Um, hmm, I have to think about that because in in some ways, I think there can be a very romanticized idea of what a decentralized future might look like. Um, Because as you say, it very much just includes our group of people and there are people that for several reasons they, they like to have a person to talk to. Yes. Uh, to assess credit risks and so on uh, for them. Um, but I'm not sure whether me saying that is just uh, me not being creative enough to take the leap like between the current system that we have to move over to a decentralized system. So is that just lack of a met like being imaginative on, on my side, I don't really know. I think it's hard to wrap my, my head around, but uh, I'd like to give it a go, you know, if, if we could have a country just all clear and then we say, okay, we're going to try this whole decentralized thing for uh, 10 years here now and then we'll see. Uh, that be would cool. be awesome, but also, I mean, it's super scary, I, I admit, because what happens in the meantime, like in the time between now and the decentralized system, because there's, there, there will be troubles. People need to understand, like I just said, and then they need to accept, and then someone will maybe not understand it, and then they don't know how to spend the money for their coffee or whatever. Um, and obviously there are institutions which will hate this and which will yeah. try everything to prevent it. So I don't think it's a, an, an easy way, neither will it be a fast way. But maybe we will see in our lifetimes. I. I Couldn't know. Maybe we don't. Maybe the beginnings of it. Mm. 
And it already starts a little bit, right? Take a look at the bank situation in the last couple of weeks and months. It's not like the banks are like, oh, everything's fine with us. <laughs> like realizing that something's changing already. But I think we cannot really determine yet what it is that's changing. I, I like the point that you made. Um, we don't know how long it will take because we like to talk, you know, about the future of, of money. Uh, and I, I, you know, I have a pet peeve with that um, way of, of saying it because it's playing it very safely because we're not saying the future of money in the next hundred years or in the next 10 years, or this is what's going to happen because then you're quick in the, uh, you're making assumptions, uh, you know, phase of things. But this is very convenient because I also think that there's going to be a reconsolidation phase where you have more banking crises and uh, more education about money and then those circles perpetrate. And then you have a CBDC introduced and people look more into Bitcoin, some of them, because they realize they don't agree with the values of the CBDC. And I think there will be a lot of those moments um, but until real change happens so we can speak about the future of money, I think it's uh, it's ages until then. But it, Or I maybe not. Wrong. Yeah, because like with computers, I mean, we also yes. thought it's just not going to yes. really take off. I mean, in forever. the 2000s, we were like, okay, this is my Nokia phone and it's <laughs> up to date. It's the newest thing that I can have. And then 2007, oh, that's an iPhone. And now we're having like it all and everywhere. So um, maybe it's not not taking so long. We can't know because technology... Is evolving really fast sometimes, and then on the technology is, but I'm not sure about people. But people accept technology. I mean, in the beginning, there has just been the iPhone, and no one had to use it. It was new. Why should people use new things? They knew their old phones with all the buttons, and they loved their buttons, and they knew how to handle it. And still, like uh, three, 16 years later. Um, everyone has a smartphone. Like no one uses, no no one uses an old phone anymore. At least not in our countries around here, right? You use them as burners, at all, if all, if at all. Yeah, so. that's, that's uh, exactly true. Who knows? Maybe in ten years we will have it. Maybe in, in ten years we will come back to crypto assets conference here, and we did not even think twice. We obviously paid in crypto and obviously everything that we can buy here is paid with our software wallets on the phones and maybe there's no one having a purse with like physical euro maybe we don't know it would be really interesting though if this happens and i would really love to take a look now on like crypto assets conference 2032 33 and uh, and see how it how it looks like and what's happening and who's there and which coin or which technology is up to date right then. That will definitely be interesting, but I'm sure we'll we'll stick around. We'll know. Yes. In ten years down the line, right? Yeah. yeah. At twenty-two, thirty-two. That's where I mix it all up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean. Time traveling would be nice. Not gonna happen so fast, I think, though. No, let's 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 work on the whole future of money thing first, and then we'll <laughs> get to the next thing. I mean, there are some people who say, "Okay, it's already happening," and we don't know. But yeah, that's a bit, bit out of topic. That's true. But yes, I mean, um, conferences like these—they are important, in my opinion, to get the bubble 
together and to get the people in the bubble to talk, to connect, and then to get home with new ideas, create these, and with this, get more outreach and get more people from outside the bubble into the technology, into the applications, and to understand, or to make them understand why we all are here and believe in it. Because I think this is also really key to make clear to the outside that we not try to manipulate everyone. Like, we're not all fraudsters. We just believe in something. I hope so, at least. Wait. Yeah, and possibly self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Maybe. Why are you attending these conferences? Because I think that human connection cannot be overrated in one way or another. There's there's people here that you speak to all year. Um, some of them I've never met in person. And then you come here and you're like, oh, that tall person over there is actually, <laughs> you know, I thought to believe, uh, to be like one 160. And then you, uh, you break the ice in a different way. And... Um, yeah, human connection. Uh, not not topic specific, as I said. I'm very open. I, I like to also just go around from booth to booth and learn about what people have to offer, what they do, because most of the things I don't know about what they're doing. I don't know what crypto custody does because I don't really have any touch point with it. But it's a way of uh, building on hand knowledge without having to read another article or watch another YouTube video, and that's very refreshing. Yeah, I think it's also impossible to know about every topic right now. There's so much going on in the space. Definitely. Would you would you say any one is uh, more interesting than another? Is there any one in particular you're following right now? No, I, I wouldn't. Like, obviously, I'm interested um, in the Bitcoin as it's also the first and uh, yeah, the, the technology that is the original, let's say like this. And um, I don't know if you checked the price this morning. We had a bump. A pump, a pump, a pump. So, uh, up. So yeah, for the for the people who are listening, the Bitcoin price um, increased by by this morning. Sweet. <laughs> yes. So um, I mean, and obviously everyone interested in the topic at all should be also taking a look at this uh, at Bitcoin because actually I have the feeling like last year when the last crypto assets conference happened people were depressed, like really depressed. It was the first couple of weeks after the crash. Um, the first banks were getting in trouble. The, the exchanges had lots of trouble and FTX did not even, did not even happen back then. It, it was far in the oh, future. Yeah. So people were oh, in... Luna hasn't happened either. Terrible. No, but there was still the Bitcoin crash and people were depressed and were like, oh, it's all going down. And yeah, it was. And we saw 16K in the meantime. Um, so now I have more or less the feeling that, okay, people have seen everything. All the exchanges. Yeah, yeah all the exchanges crashed. Now uh, the banks crashed. So what can get worse? What shall happen now? I think we've also become more resilient for crypto related crashes as well. Yes. Right? I mean, stablecoin depegging, falling to, what was it, 70 cents at the peak roundabout? Yes. I mean, yeah, it was news, but, uh, you know, it was all about um, the banks and so on. And nobody, I mean, of course, there were, there were articles that said Bitcoin's dead now, but. That that happened crypto, since 2008. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But uh, in that <laughs> sense, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good observation. Or is there something I, I was thinking about from what you were saying? We've gotten better at 
keeping going. Yes, I mean, take a look around at this conference today and tomorrow. Um, people are just less caring about this events. It's just like, okay, we keep going. You do whatever you want to do and you crash whatever you want to crash. We keep going. And I like the spirit. I really like it. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing to add to that one. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so um, let's let's get to our last question, maybe. Um, because you are into CBDCs. You know a lot about Bitcoin. I know you also know a lot about Ethereum and smart contracts. But what's a topic that you don't know a lot about? Why? And why would you love to know more about it? Okay, let me... It's a hard thing. Mm, I would like to know more about um, NFT, NFTs and specifically um, projects with a social impact that are working. So you don't just have the white paper um, or the team together, but uh, profitable or not profitable, but uh, startups in the field, maybe seed, maybe pre-seed. And then have a very promising, what do you say, like, um, yeah, product simply. Okay. Stuff like uh, NFT ticketing, for example, I find very intriguing. I had no idea that there was such a big black market out there with uh, tickets being sold for much higher than if they were initially bought. Okay. But of course, this isn't a social impact thing. Of course, it's great if people are not being scammed into buying tickets that are way too expensive, but apparently NFTs have... Um, greatly help people, uh, so artists as well, yeah. to to get paid more fairly and for these types of scams to not happen anymore. And, um, yeah, I find that very fascinating. I'd like to learn more about it. Cool. So next time we talk, you're an expert on NFTs, hopefully. Oh, that was my, that was my assignment. Okay, no, no. Then, then you also have to give yourself an assignment. And the same question, meaning what's the topic you'd like to know more about that you currently do? I've been exploring AI a bit, or a bit more, but I would actually like to learn more about the technology behind. Like, I know how it works and how you can use it, but how does the tech in the back end work? Like, what happened that OpenAI, for example, was capable of creating ChatGPT? Like, how did they do it? That's something I would really love to know more about. Um, but I actually not sure if I, I'm capable of getting that deep into it to understand it. Because it's super interesting, that question. Yeah. So what's your blog tell? Can you tell us a story, your blog tell, your crypto story in 30 seconds? Once upon a time. But once upon a time, uh, it was a college student that didn't really have any direction. And there was one course that wasn't mandatory and she took it and it would change her life uh, forever. And she fell down the rabbit hole. End of story. Amazing. Thank you, Vara, for being with us. And enjoy your conference and hopefully see you soon. Maybe we can just show the people that we've actually been here. Proof of attendance. Yes. <laughs> no NFTs, though, but a start. Yes. We'll see you. Thank you so much, Katarina, and uh, we will live happily ever after. <laughs> All right. Love, 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 love